What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now it's time to talk about Donald Trump and wars without end. In April, President Trump said the global war on terror had cost $7 trillion over 17 years. And he said that in exchange for that $7 trillion, quote, we have nothing, nothing except death and destruction. It's a horrible thing, close quote. For comment, we turn to Andrew Basevich. He graduated from West Point. He got a Ph.D. at Princeton. He served in the Army for 23 years, then became a professor at Boston University. Now he's the author, co-author, or editor of a dozen books, three of the recent books, Breach of Trust, Washington Rules, and the Limits of Power, all hit the New York Times bestseller list. His most recent book, America's War for the Greater Middle East, was longlisted for the National Book Award. He publishes often in the L.A. Times, the New York Times, Tom Dispatch, and The Nation. Andrew Basevich, welcome back. Well, thank you very much. Well, what do you think about Trump's statement that we have nothing to show for 17 years of war except death and destruction? Well, more true than not. Uh, I mean, I I think that uh, people may argue about whether or not we've spent $7 trillion dollars we certainly spent a couple trillion, and, we're, and, and before the last bill gets paid, we will have spent more. Uh, but whatever the number is, it's a big, big number. Uh, and if we consider what we thought we were doing uh, when we launched the global war on terror after 9/11, it doesn't seem that we've got all that much in return for that investment. You call these wars mindless. It's hard to disagree with that, but. How come we keep going? Why don't, why don't we stop or at least consider the possibility that we might stop? Well, the, the American people have disengaged from the wars. Uh, there, there was a time when large numbers of our fellow citizens were paying attention, uh, but that was back when U.S. casualties in Iraq were substantial. So we're talking, you know, 2005, 6, uh, 7. But one of the things that's happened since then, and and one might give President Obama the greatest amount of credit here, I use credit ironically, 
is that we've adjusted the way we are prosecuting this war on terror in ways that find far fewer Americans dying today than was the case, let's say, a decade ago. So the wars continue, whether we're talking about uh, Afghanistan or Syria or various parts of Africa, uh, but the American people don't notice. And so there's very little, little political pressure uh, to examine whether or not we're making any headway. And what about paying the bills for these wars, whether it's two or three billion or seven billion? That's still a lot of money for the taxpayers. Well, there too, I think Bush and Obama and Trump uh, have rather skillfully, I would also say cynically, passed off the bill onto some future generation. Maybe, maybe our grandchildren or great grandchildren are going to have to pony up the money to pay for our current wars, uh, but it's not going to be you and me. It's not even going to be the, uh, my, my children. So there, too, that provides an excuse for Americans simply to not pay attention, uh, and we're not. In, 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 in an odd way, the, the great circus of the Trump administration provides yet another reason to not pay attention to the wars. The media obsession uh, with Trump's latest tweet or bizarre uh, statement, uh, I, I think, in a sense, those are understandable. Uh, but they also serve then to distract attention from more substantive matters. And on the other hand, uh, many of our congressmen also seem enthusiastic about private contractors and uh, mercenaries uh, doing the job. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a heck of a lot of money uh, moving, uh, you know, from appropriations to, uh, to the Pentagon to defense contractors, kind of coming back around the bend in the form of campaign contributions. There is a gravy train uh, that has been rolling along now for quite some time, and that, too, I think, is yet another factor that contributes to the lack of any political interest in asking serious questions. So this whole system that we have today, as you say, began in nine, after 9-11 with George W. Bush, continued and expanded by Barack Obama. But now we have a president who has broken with all of his predecessors who said loudly and clearly that our post-9-11 wars cost too much and are not working. And he said that during the campaign, he got elected saying that. Let's talk about that election for a minute, because among other things, clearly Hillary was the leader of the status quo when it came to fighting these wars. Well, I mean, I'm, I am I'm, I still find it uh, more than a little bit uh, puzzling. I subscribe to the notion that Trump's election has less to do with the substance of Trump's promises, less to do with that than with the fact that he portrayed himself as the enemy of the establishment, that he was going to drain the hated swamp. Yeah. And, and I think, by extension, one of the things that would occur would be that these wars would, would come to an end, that he would end them. And now here we find ourselves, a year and a half into his presidency, and it, that certainly hasn't happened. I mean, the record is quite confusing in a way. Uh, he's you know, pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal and would seem to, his administration at least, would seem to uh, not be averse to a showdown with Iran. You know, us and the Israelis and the Saudis. I find that bizarre, but that seems to be one theme of his foreign policy. 
uh, he continued and indeed escalated uh, U.S. involvement in the war against ISIS and in the Afghanistan war. That's certainly not what he led his, vo- his supporters to expect. But of course, and then we have the example of, of Korea, where following the, uh, the you know, extraordinary fire and fury uh, rhetoric, he's now has set, him up, set himself up to be the peacemaker. Now, whether or not that's going to pan out, I think, remains to be seen. But it's very difficult to look at the, many, the, the, the several things that he's done, at least difficult for me, and, and see a coherent theme or a strategy. So switching here from Trump to Trump supporters, a lot of our friends consider Trump supporters to be crypto-fascists or racist bigots. Uh, in the new issue of The Nation, you talk about a, a different way of thinking about them. Well, I, I, my sort of uh, temperament finds me somewhat sympathetic to these people who are in some way on the right, some way uh, conservative, I'm impressed by the fact that uh, even though Secretary Clinton won the popular vote, nonetheless, was it 63 point something million voted for Trump himself. So there's a lot of our fellow citizens out there who were so angry uh, when they went to the polls in November 2016 that they cast their vote for someone who is manifestly unqualified for the office, I think as a way of basically you know, given the finger to to the political establishment. And, and although there are some who I think tend to dismiss the concerns of the alienated 63 million, uh, I think we should take those concerns seriously, not to, not to turn the government uh, over to whatever these folks represent. But if the aim is, and I think the aim ought to be, to find some way of bringing the country back together again, of, of at least to some degree healing the divisions uh, that are so manifest at the present moment, then we have to try to take seriously the concerns of the people who put Trump in office in the first place. Again, it's not to surrender to their views, but to try to understand the sources of their anger. So what do you think it will take to convince millions of people that the national security of the United States may not require U.S. troops in more than 170 countries or, or that we may not need to spend $700 billion a year. Uh, what will it take? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to claim anything for myself, but at the beginning of this interview, you, you very generously noted some of the, some of the books I've written. And and in a way, I've been trying, I'm not the only one, nor, do, nor would I suggest I'm, I'm the most prominent one, but I am among those who've been trying to make this argument that our approach to national security is quite fundamentally uh, flawed. And, and those of us who are making that argument aren't making much progress, as far as I can tell. So what would it take? I don't know. I mean, I hate to say it, will it take some kind of a enormous catastrophe uh, to to serve as an awakening. In some senses, I thought that the combination of the debacle of the Iraq war compounded by the Great Recession, I thought that those two together uh, might provide that moment of awakening. It did not. So I don't, I don't know what's needed. Uh, I do know that simply continuing down the path that we were on 
prior to Trump being elected wasn't going wasn't gonna to get us anywhere. Andrew Basevich, he wrote about wars without end for the nation's special issue on foreign policy. Read them at thenation.com. Thank you, Andy. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.